0: Welcome to the show. Great to be with you, Paul George, Deacon Adam Cock in studio. Glad you're with us today. Hey, Are you, Paul, you feeling a little country, a little, yeah, yeah. I love it. That's anyway, how,
1: that's how a man plays a guitar right
0: there. Absolutely. Yeah. It's it's a, we kind of got a, a man's version <laughs> of the show today. Um. So great to be with you. Uh, Deacon Adam Conk. It's been a while. We didn't record last week. You had a busy week last week um, with um, what they call pilgrimage week at the school that you're at, John Paul the Great. All the different classes go on a pilgrimage. We talked about that, the show before that. I don't know Mm -hmm. if you remember that. I remember. I just got back from Riley, North Carolina. Hey now. Uh, Got there, uh, did a, a leadership training for... Church, their team out there. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, how is the church in Riley? You know, it's interesting. Like, uh, was in the suburb of Riley, but, um, awesome parish, big parish and school. You know, it's a little bit different than here where there's a lot of parishes per capita. Mm -hmm. You know, we have a lot of physical plant churches, you know, tons. Yeah. Um, where there, there's obviously Catholics are less, there's less, you know, parishes, you know, demographically in the area, but the ones that they have are pretty big. Like the, the physical church seats like 2000 people, 2000. Yeah. They have less masses, a lot of people, less churches, Catholic churches, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, those very well run parish. Nice. That's awesome, man. Great 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 to hear.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I've never made my way up to North Carolina. Do they talk like that or am I just making that up?
0: Uh, um, I'm just making that up. No, I mean, I don't know. The, I a little bit. You were just there. Well, it depends on where you are. It's like, yeah. you know, what part of Louisiana do you go? That's true. There's going to be a different accent. That's true. You know, but yeah, there's probably some country folk there,
1: mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you know? Appalachians.
0: Yeah. You haven't been to North Carolina, but you're going to New York City yep. this week.
1: I am. I am. Um, looking forward to visiting there. I'd. Went to a Catholic conference up there many years ago that I just just kind of fell in love with the city and the get, the Catholic sites there. Like, we're going to do all the cool things. St. Francis Cabrini uh, is buried up there, for example, visiting her shrine. A lot of cool churches mm-hmm. to see, of course, St. Patrick's Cathedral. And, uh, you know, you learn a lot about America visiting New York. I mean, um, there's so much to learn about. So I take one of my kids, and it's just me and them. I have a lot of kids, so I look for these opportunities of one-on-one time to kind of make some memories, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So that's, that's the opportunity. Yeah, with
0: nine kids, you're going to go to New York at least nine times with a kid.
1: Yeah, if I take them all. Yeah, which is the plan.
0: Well, I mean, how do you take one or two and then not the others? So you'll never right. live it down. Never. Like, I don't know about you, like in your house, but like kids get to the age where they start counting. Oh, yeah. And everything, you know, needs to be even. And if it's not, they're not loved as much as the other.
1: Yeah, see, I was the youngest of five. And uh, let's just say the oldest child went to Scotland. Mm. And I went to Holly Beach, which is awesome. I loved Holly Beach. Don't get me wrong.
0: Well, for, for those of you folks who aren't from Louisiana, Holly Beach is like a beach of Louisiana, which is not much to say. We're not known for our beaches. No, we're known for our marshes. Yeah. And so Holly Beach is basically a marsh. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So that's where I went. And I'm grateful to my parents for taking me to Holly
0: Beach. But you still remember.
1: I still remember the fact that
0: the oldest went to Scotland <laughs> yeah. and you went to Holly beach. <laughs> yeah. You haven't forgotten. No, I haven't. Although you do love your parents and whatnot. I oh, mean, yeah. it's just part of like the DNA of being a kid. Mm-hmm. You just, you just count like my, you know, my kids is just like, is it even? It's like, I don't look, we're just trying to do our best just to keep you alive and That's right. fed. And you're like counting even here. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. Kids have a really strong sense of justice. I know as a teacher with uh, teenagers and It's really strong like right before teenage years, I think. Those Mm -hmm. 6th, 7th, 8th grade years, it's like everything has to be fair. But then they learn a little bit more about the world and about life.
0: Yeah, that's true. Kind of relax. Yeah. Okay. Actually, I have a Have You Seen.
1: What did you say? That is so interesting.
0: I am for real, though. I am for real. So it is rare that uh, I have a Have You Seen Mm -hmm. and find something that you didn't know about. Yeah. I mean, you, you're you pretty hip and up in the news. Whoa. And Never
1: you, been called hip before. You, Thanks, man. You
0: know. Yeah. <clears throat> kind of know what's going on in the world. I'm a little bit more, you know, sometimes sheltered. Okay. In my own <laughs> echo chamber.
1: <laughs> okay. So anyway,
0: welcome to the show, everyone, by the yeah. way. Welcome to the podcast, welcome. the radio show. It's good to be back. I mean, we skipped a week because of, yeah. of travel, but... Uh, Anyway, so the, have you seen uh if you haven't seen this, which you haven't, cuz I know this is a uh, a book called The Greatest Beer Run Ever. The Greatest Beer Run Ever. The Greatest Beer Run Ever. Have you heard of it? No. Okay, not. so the book was a best-selling book. It's based on a true story, so it's not a fiction novel. Based on a true story, and then now they made a movie out of it. Wow. So obviously like in a lot of ways like the book's better than the movie. Mhm. You know, not all the time. But if you can get the book, get the book. I haven't read the book, but I've read a lot about the book, and then they had the movie, and then I heard about it. And anyway, like it's sort of out there. But here's 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 sort of the the plot. Okay. Mm. So during the Vietnam War, which was a horrible war. It's a war that my dad, a lot of his friends fought in, a lot of people died. It was blood, bloody, horrible uh war. Okay, so uh this group of guys, this guy who was a uh in Boston, uh you know, had a bunch of friends that went off to Vietnam, and they had this idea. One of the guys is like, you know what, our buddies really could use is a beer. You know, we miss them. They could use a beer. You know, and <clears throat> true story, like one of the guys like took it seriously. He's like, you know what, I'm going to do that. So he he gets beer and flies to Vietnam. Now you got to remember, like, it wasn't like social media. Like we can watch a lot of like what's happening in the world right now. Mm-hmm the Ukraine war, those things that are horrible, like we see like firsthand, like immediate. So obviously back then there was no social media, no internet. You know, if you didn't have a TV, like which a lot of people didn't, you didn't really see much of the war. So like he, he's not knowing how bad it is. He goes to Vietnam, lands, people are like, what are you doing here? And he tells somebody, he's like a CIA agent and just like in normal clothes, <laughs> runs into one of his friends just randomly. Oh, wow. Who's there? and then ends up like bringing beer to all his friends in the war, during the war, like as they're fighting. Wow. It's called the greatest beer run ever, which is pretty close to a good name.
1: Yeah. It's hard to top that beer run. That's crazy to me. So he just wanted to give some kind of token of friendship or encouragement to his friends, not realizing how bad it's going to be. How did he even get a plane ride there? I assume they like don't let people fly into countries when they're at war. Maybe not.
0: I don't know. know, I'm, I need to read the book and watch it, but you know, they were allowing commercial flights in there, so he did amazing Took a commercial flight, and I guess they were safe zones. But anyway, like look what he did, like for his friends, like mm-hmm. I, I just want to make them happy, like I want to, I want to cheer them up. They're at war, we're missing them, you know. They knew that people were dying there, obviously, yeah. and it's really a, a movie. About friendship, loyalty, and sacrifice. Like, what would you do for your friends? Wow, is he Irish? I don't know. Boston beer. I don't know. I may be stereo. I mean, stereotyping. Probably. I, I could. I could look it up. But yeah, yeah. I mean, what would
1: you, what would you do for your friends? Well, his, like,
0: that's interesting. His name is Chicky, which is uh, his nickname. Donahue, which is Irish.
1: There you go. See? <laughs> Just a guess. It was a guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if it was gumbo, I'd guess he was Cajun, you know, bringing his friends a gumbo, which I could totally see, by the way. Donahue. If you've gone two years without gumbo and you're a friend of mine, I'd be like, yeah, let's bring him some gumbo. But
0: it is so really interesting, like, what guys will do for their friends.
1: And what's interesting to me is that sometimes it's just little things. In fact, especially the little things, like a beer. But I'm thinking about how many times when I need to have a serious conversation with a guy or something, a lot of times we'll say, let's go grab a beer. In other words, like if it's going to be a really big investment relationally, for some reason, a beer or uh, something like that, some kind of little token of friendship just kind of sets the tone or I don't know. it it's a, it's a gesture of friendship. And so, I mean, obviously flying over to Vietnam to see the guys was more important, but just to bring a beer, it's like that little token. I don't know what it is about beer, but it does that.
0: It's something about it was the token of friendship, but you, like what we'll go through for friendship, loyalty, mm-hmm. like for our friends, mm-hmm. even to the point where like we'll get in trouble with our friends just because we're like, I'll do this with you. Mm-hmm. You know,
1: we did that one time. Um, we were at a wedding reception. It was a bit loud. You and I in the reception. <laughs> and I said, let's go sit over there." It was like a section that was obviously not part of the it was closed. Reception is closed. But I was like, let's go sit and visit over there. Cause and we did. Loud. <laughs> and you did, and we got kicked out together. <laughs> and we got kicked out.
0: <laughs> and in my old days, we would have gotten in a fight together. Mm. I would, I would have, but I didn't. I was mm-hmm. just like, "Yep, we're in the wrong place. Let's move on." Yeah, you know, but there's something about the fellowship. You know, it's interesting because I was reading a study that, you know, one of the one of the greatest contributors to death among adult men is loneliness. Yeah, it's so interesting. Like, as men get older, we sort of get isolated, and what we desire most is friendship and fellowship, you know? And when we're younger, maybe we play golf with friends or do outdoorsy things or whatever, and then we get married and kids and work, and then we retire, and then before you know it, we've lost contact with friendships. But part of the DNA of, of being a guy is, like, to be in fellowship and in friendship. This is why you, like, you know, oftentimes, like, guys, you know, will almost overdo it, like, spend not enough time at home, more time with friends or at a bar or out doing activities or whatever, and forget about their responsibilities at home or whatnot. Mm -hmm. Just deep desire to be in this friendship and this fellowship, even if it doesn't really have a lot of direction or meaning to it.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think that really is one of the huge challenges of our society is that because we're so busy all the time, um, making time for friends seems selfish, right? And both men and women need times with friends, but for different reasons. And I think for men, there's a certain, um, mental health that comes from brotherhood. Yeah. That if you don't have it, like you really don't have it. Right. You become mentally unhealthy. Something's
0: missing. Yeah. In in our lives. And I think all the guys can admit this and even wives for their husbands, like something's missing in my life. Something's missing in my husband's life. And it, you know, there's, it's a connection with other guys because I think mm-hmm. we're at our best when we have other men helping shape us and sharpening us, right? Like mm-hmm. iron sharpens iron, you know, uh, and and this is true for us and that could lead us in either direction, good or bad. And and I'm thinking about myself is like, what would a guy do to deliver uh, a beer to his friends in Vietnam to cheer him up, to show that he loved them in friendship is how much would we go through to like, helps like, like save someone's life or marriage or soul or faith, like, you know, to like really engage and enter into like the tough part of each other's lives. And I think this is what men really want and really desire. But one of the problems is we've, we've kind of made socially
1: unacceptable all the ways that men used to discover this about each other, right? Like, how would I find out that your marriage is in trouble? How would I find that out? Typically we'd be talking and visiting, which for guys usually happens, let's say, you know, over a beer or playing golf or like some kind of activity. Mm. But today, those sound like very selfish activities, right? Like if a guy's going to be doing this stuff, well, what's what's his wife doing, right? And he should be there helping her. And so we've, it's very subtle, but it's true. As a society, we really don't let men be men often. Dude. And when when we let them, it's like, you know, we're letting them, Right. Right. But that's where we find out that your marriage is in trouble. That's where we find out that you're you're having anxiety or, like, depression or, or whatever. It's because we're doing something and visiting, and then you said something. So we had a conversation. And now I know I can be a good friend to you. Now I know I can help you save your marriage or, or mm-hmm. do what I can.
0: We usually don't find out till it's too late. Oh, exactly. did you hear about so-and-so? Like, they're struggling in their marriage. You know, he just told me, like, "What, dude, why didn't you come to me when you were, you know, like, oh, I waited too late. Now it's over or whatever. Or lost my job or or I've been depressed. And... You know, like all these different different things. And, you know, like every man desires to awaken the masculine heart inside of them. And if, if it's not awoken with with like truly our, our faith and like in doing masculine things, even like that just breathe life into the soul, we'll, we'll, we'll be empty mm-hmm. and we won't be as alive and connected at home. Like we, there's a balance of like, Awakening the masculine soul, being around men, and like working on that, like you know, this past weekend, like I just had to go out in the woods, work at the camp, cut down some trees, clear some trails, be around my friend, and I, I got home. I was much better. Like mm-hmm. I just felt like alive and and awakened and rested, and my mind was clear from work and all these things. That that's important for us, and that fellowship piece, is so crucial. You know, I mean, I just found out that my book. Holy Grit is coming out in January, so the publisher. All right. Know. So sooner than later. That's great. Boomy boomy. Be one of the first books of twenty twenty three. That's right. It's Holy Grit. It's uh, you know, awakening the masculine soul for men. You know, talk about some saints, and I'm excited about it. But at the same time, like I don't want it just to just be about a book, but about like a movement to awaken guys' hearts. You know, real, You know, into manhood, and so surprising we're announcing hmm. tomorrow this hmm. week yeah uh we're launching these uh men's mentorship and fellowship groups called grit groups so you can join a group a grit group go through 8 weeks of uh together with other guys online like in, in a Zoom you know together for 8 weeks going through some different you know just masculine formation and identity and relationship and faith all mixed in there together it's awesome. Getting gritty with it. Getting gritty with it. So you can find out actually information before the groups fill up. They do cost, but you go to, it was easier just to put it on my website, paulgeorge.la mm. slash holy grit, or just go to paulgeorge.la and there's a tab that says holy grit. Click on there and it'll give information about the groups. And I'm excited about it, but just, just, I'm just facilitating the the groups for now, but it's really about the guys getting together and digging in on what does it mean to awaken our heart Mm -hmm. and our masculine selves and pursue good things in life, pursue our faith, our family, our vocation, uh, all those things, and to be gritty men who are seeking God at the same time. Those two things, when they're meshed together is when we're truly alive as men. Okay. We'll take a quick break. We're going to come back with that in just a moment. Healthcare that works better and costs less seems like an oxymoron, right? Take a minute and check out our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare. Members say that faith-based health sharing is a much better fit than insurance, all while costing less. Prices start at $384 a month for families. Call now to see how much you can save. 844-387-8533. That's 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you. Thanks for listening in on the podcast or on the radio here in Acadia,na Paul George, Deacon Adam Carn in studio. What's up, Big Deacon Presidente? Well, you just
1: dropped a couple bombs there. So your book's coming out in January, Holy Grit, mm. and you're starting like this week these uh, these uh, men groups, grit groups, right?
0: Yeah, they're they're grit groups. They're men's mentorship and fellowship groups. You know, we're eight weeks of like spiritual <clears throat> and gritty kind of reawakening
1: when's the first one begin
0: it's gonna start they're gonna start in november they're gonna go eight weeks and then we'll relaunch some for the spring
1: i love this because yeah (laughs) i think i've thought a lot about how often you know when we talk about male fellowship how often do you need it i I really do think you need it weekly because that's the only way to actually talk about things but like you said earlier most guys won't bring up issues and until it gets really big like, Hey, we've been struggling my marriage for like six years and now I'll bring it up to you. Right. But if you're meeting weekly and just kind of asking how's work going, how's family, how, you know, that's when, um, the stuff of discipleship because discipleship is living your life I mean, that is following Christ in your life is discipleship. Mm-hmm. And so I think men do need a weekly contact with some other men and not just one other, like some other men, um, for, for the healthiest experience of that masculine discipleship.
0: Yeah. And you know, like we can be non-intentional about our journey. Like we can, you know, play golf or go to the camp or, you know, play cards or play music, whatever guy, you know, get together. But there, there, there's relationship there and there's good, but it's not really moving in a direction there's no deep conversation that's like hey what like what's actually going on like what how can we help each other and like you know like mm-hmm. do life together and like move each other further along like this is what god created us for is is to be in fellowship with one another and help each other along you know like we we have a lot to offer one another and it's just it's alarming to me that loneliness is a is a epidemic among men and i can, yeah. i can relate like i live in a house full of people and at times, like if I, if I'm not like intentional about like relationships, masculine relationships, like I could start to feel lonely, mm-hmm. you know, and not so much loneliness in my marriage or in my role as a dad, but my loneliness as a guy with the, like other men, like you know, I need that fellowship. We we can't we we can't go without it. It's extremely important, you know. Like it, like and like I said like earlier, like I look back at my life, like. I never got in trouble alone.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It was always with another friend. Yeah. You know, it was always like in fellowship, you know, mm-hmm. and I've never done anything really good alone either. Like I've been the best version of myself in my marriage and my family because of help from other men, mm-hmm. you know, who have like taught me things and shown me things and challenged me and things. And like part of being, masculine and gritty is like rubbing elbows with, with other guys who make us better and stronger.
1: Well, I like that it's called grit groups because it makes me think, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is the type of environment where men can just say the truth to each other, which I, you know, a lot of great stuff is being done out there for men for sure. But there's something about an environment where other men can just tell me whatever they're thinking, right? Like, I'm telling my story. Here's where I'm at. Here's my family's, whatever. And then a guy can just look at me and said, you're being an idiot. Like There's something so attractive to me about that because it's so few and far between. There's, <laughs> there's few opportunities, I think, in our life where men are going to be kind enough to look us in the face and tell us the truth and really what they're thinking about our circumstances. Um, this is one of the, you know, we celebrate St. Francis of Assisi today. This is one of the Beautiful things about religious life when done well is that you have people in your life who see you live every day, right? And they can say the truth to you, whether it's your superior or your your brother. um, The ideal is that they're going to be kind enough to know you and tell you what's true, and that's going to help you progress in your relationship with the Lord and as a man. And unfortunately, today we just, I mean, everyone's so afraid to offend each other, to, you know, whatever. And uh, it's few and far between when you find that guy's willing to just tell you the truth. And so it sounds like these grit groups can be those kind of groups. It
0: is, in a sense of like, we just want what's best for each other. Yeah. But like, look, I'm going to say this in, in the most pastoral way, that society has allowed men to be really soft. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to be soft. And we don't like to be not told the truth. Like, men, like, really, like, want to know the truth and want to know, and, you know, this is what made St. Francis of Assisi so, I mean, a lot of things made him very memorable. We're still talking about him today, right? Mm -hmm. Is that he sold everything for fellowship with Jesus and with other guys. Yep. Like, he desired so much to be in community that he sold everything, all his riches and everything, and said, you know, I'm going to follow God, and I'm not doing it alone. Like, I'm going to build a community, and we're going to change the world, renew the church. I mean, this is where, like, you know, it comes from. Like, mm. you know, God spoke to him and said, you rebuild my church. You know, he thought it was a physical church, but, like, what the Lord was talking about was spiritually rebuilding, revivaling the church, if that's a word. Yeah, I think his story is just touched on something
1: so important because he, when he sold everything, when he gave it away, his father, of course, who didn't want him to do that, had drug him to the the bishop and said, you know, put my son in his place. And then St. Francis literally takes the clothes off his back that his father gave him, so he's completely naked in front of everyone, and said, you are no longer my father, but God is my father. And I think for a lot of men's ministry work that's been done, I think that message has been gotten out. Like, God is your father, right? God is your father, God is your father. But the immediate second step for him was that in claiming God as his father, he now had new brothers in God, right? Like he had family by blood. But now that God was his father in that truest sense, in his totally committed sense, that attracted brothers to him. And so he had a new father and new brothers to live his his life of Christ with. And that's where I think we're really struggling as yep. men in men's ministry is that we we keep mentioning this, this, I, the idea of God as your father and I think we're doing a good job of that but we're not great at brotherhood. We're really not in general, in the American church in the western church. Right. We're not awesome at brotherhood.
0: No, we're sort of isolated you know, we build houses with garage doors and we mm-hmm. close them, you know, and neighborhoods and no yards and lots of fences and you know, just the other day like I just you know, I reached over to my neighbor's fence and He was playing in his backyard. We had fences up and I climbed, you know, on the, like the first rung of the fence so I could see over. Mm. And I had, I had a glass of scotch (laughs) for him and for me. And I just handed it to him and we started the best conversation. Cause I've been saying, you know, like I got to connect with my neighbor. Like he's my neighbor, neighbor, like my real neighbor. Yeah. We had the, and then before we knew it, uh, we're like, well, let's just go into the front yard. So we met out in the front yards and we sat out there, the kids played and we just talked. Wow. You know, drank a scotch and you know, reached into his life, you know, and and vice versa started a relationship. Like we're just we're naturally relational beings. Yeah. And we desire to like be in relationship with other with other people, particularly other men in a good way, a healthy way, but in a gritty way. Like we don't want to be soft. We we want to attack life in the world we want to be on the offensive we don't want to keep living our life like in this defensive mode like life is happening to me instead of life is happening for me Mm -hmm. right like and but we can't do that alone this is the beauty of the life of saint francis of assisi and every great saint they lived in community there there was they were they were in relationships you know, with other people. And like, there's there's no way that we can achieve anything great in life by ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: That's awesome. That reminds me kind of of the, um the gospel story from this past Sunday. So, the rich man and Lazarus, was that the Sunday before? Yeah, it was the Sunday before, two Sundays ago. But I was thinking about this, like, I don't know too many rich men in that way. And I don't know if you do, but like, I don't know too many men that are. So wealthy, they're living life very luxuriously, and they just can't pay attention to Lazarus at the door. I know far more men, myself included, who are so busy, so busy that we can't pay attention to Lazarus at the door. For me, this seems like a much more prevalent temptation in our neck of the woods, is that there's so much going on, there's so much to keep up with, there's so much to do every day, there's so many things to take care of in my own little world, that even thinking about the outside world thinking about the Lazaruses or the neighbor or anyone else seems outside of that right and um, I don't know the answer to this problem but it seems prevalent it seems pervasive and I think until we solve the busyness problem for Catholic men for Christian men that we're so busy that we can't be in relationship with each other um, then we won't solve anything but maybe the solution is as simple as what you brought up is just to take the moment to bring the scotch over the fence Like that's not that complicated, right?
0: Right, right. Well, I mean, you mentioned a tough topic. I wasn't going to bring it up, but you did because I think it's going to offend a lot of people and it even offended me, which is this. We got to be honest about how busy we are Mm. because I have a lot of excuses. I have a lot of excuses that keep me from doing some things that are extremely important for me to do. Mm-hmm. I make excuses, Adam. Like, I just do. Like, I'm too busy. I got a lot going on. I'm traveling. And before I know it, I'm not in fellowship or in a men's group or like intentional about relationships. And like, I'm just barely getting by with work and loving my wife and my kids. And then I have nothing left, not only for myself, but yeah, for myself. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, oh, I'll do that later. And I've had multiple guys, and particularly, Lately, saying, "Hey, I'd like to. You you want to start a men's group and and let's let's dive in." And then I'm like, "Great! How about next week?" And then literally, they're like, "I'm really busy." I'm like, "Well, you right. just asked me." <laughs> so what you're saying is like the intention on your heart is like, "I need this. I need this," and yet you're just unwilling to pull the trigger because you're afraid to let go of your busy schedule. And yeah. honestly, like every guy. I know every guy struggles with this. We have a lot of excuses, and not every excuse is a bad excuse. There are a lot of good excuses. Well, you know, I'm marrying got kids. I'm I'm working hard and providing. You know, I need to be available, like all these things. And then before we know it, we're struggling with our own personal loneliness or bad habits or, you know, lack of like, you know, really, yeah, attacking life, man, Mm -hmm. and being super disciplined. In a, in a sense of that we're not letting this society and the world soften us into like just these men who are just letting life happen to us instead of for us like we're, we're just not moving
1: and it's not easy to break the chains of the world that's why St. Francis of Assisi and Padre Pio and other people that are in your book that's why they went into religious life they went in because the world stinks and they chose a life outside the world to have a different rhythm, to have a rhythm of prayer, a rhythm of good works, a rhythm of fellowship and fraternity. But that doesn't mean that those of us who are in the world can't find something like that either. But it's also not easy. And so there, it takes, like you said, it takes us working on life together. Let's figure this out together. Um, but there are certain basic commitments that we just we make excuses for. I think one of them is a, a weekly fellowship with guys. I mean, this right. is uh this is not that complicated. I mean, presidents of the United States have been able to do stuff like that. So they're not, I'm not busier than them. You know what I mean? Um, I've known some very busy men who have breakfast every day, of the, you know, one day a week, every week in the same place every time. And they're pretty busy, busier than I am.
0: Yeah. And you could take breaks and you know, maybe do, that's what I'm doing eight weeks and we'll yeah. take a break. Like just, just start the path, you know, and then, and then go like, cause here's what I, I have found in my own life. Okay. And take anything, any discipline, my health, working out, prayer, you know, spiritual, emotional. And like, if I take all those and say, what do I need to do? Well, I know I need what I need to do spiritually, emotionally, physically, spiritually. Right. Mm-hmm. And if I don't know, I can ask someone, they're like, you should do this. And I'm like, that's a good idea. Mm-hmm. Okay. Then the, the, the hardest part is actually starting to do something, yeah. right? Like st- start a workout, start eating and do this, like make a plan, uh, start praying. And, you know, but when I find that I start to become like disciplined in those areas, I begin to like move forward, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and that's the hard part. It's just making that step to do it, you know, join a group, make a group, find a group, you know, do something, start praying, start exercise. like just start and, You know, and then you find some momentum. If not, you start making uh, excuses, which we're very, very good at.
1: Well, if I can be vulnerable
0: for a second. I remember joining a men's group
1: that's kind of famous. I won't mention it because my experience wasn't the greatest in it. But joining a men's group where the focus of it was, I guess, like self-discipline, asceticism, mortification, which I, I think is a great idea. Um. But the conversations that happened weekly, because part of this group is you had to check in daily even. Yeah, that's what it was, daily with somebody, which is a lot, right? right? which is great. But a lot of the conversations centered around like those practices. Like, hey, are you keeping up with this? Are you keeping up with that? Are you keeping up, you know? And the reality is when that time was over, because you do it for so many days, um, I wasn't going to be doing those things anymore. I had like uh, spiritual disciplines that I had formed over the years, you know, spiritual director, stuff like that. I was getting back to that. And um, I kind of regretted not having more substantive conversations with these men because these are really good men that I had their attention for a bit. And so, um, you know, not to shamelessly plug your group too much, but I think if the opportunity if what you're describing is to just get on a gritty level with men about life that I'm already living. Right. And those excuses that I'm making that I don't know I'm making, it's like you just said, we make so many excuses that takes a lot of self-knowledge. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I would love to have a guy look at my life and say, you're making these excuses yep, and they're useless. yep, And you must make these changes. Yeah. And the other group that I'm talking about, it just didn't have that opportunity. So yep. I don't know. Is, is this grit group that opportunity?
0: It is. Give and it. <clears throat> I'm a facilitate, sort of like group facilitation, spiritual direction movement. Mm. And then they'll each have like a, partner, you know, to like in between the groups, like meet and talk and like encourage, but nice, you know what, some, you know, things that I've I've been intentional about lately in my life is like, you know, finding either friends, accountability, or even a coach to like move me forward, Mm -hmm. you know, like and reaching out to that person. Can I meet with you regularly? And like, you just like, tell me all the things I don't want to hear. Mm -hmm. be extremely hard on me like make me move forward in in an area like i've been lazy in i don't want to move forward in, and it's been so good for me like to be uncomfortable Mm -hmm. i know that sounds crazy but like guys i think are at our worst when we're lazy and we're just get very comfortable i mean we live in a world that like is asking men to like you know defend fight you know and our culture is just like swarming men up alive. It's just like mm-hmm. crazy, you know? Yeah. And like, I don't know, like I think what, what it is is we, we really, you know, like St. Francis. Like, oh yeah, he was more, he was really radical. And that's what we're talking about him today. But sometimes radical for us is something very simple, which mm-hmm. is just making a decision to do something about an area of our life that we need to do it. Well, and that's even more radical, if you will, because
1: for, for those in religious life, like for Francis, leaving the world to embrace poverty was leaving the chains of this world, leaving the rhythms of it, leaving the demands on his time, and creating a new space, a space that was on God's time, right? And prayer set everything. And for the husband and father... And man that lives in the world, you have the challenge is to do that same thing, to let your life be on God's rhythm in the chaos of the world, in the rhythm of your workplace, in the rhythm of um, you know, whatever sets your calendar, whatever business you're in, whatever family situation you're in, to have God's time exist within that same space. That's it's even more (laughs) heroic in a sense. Then leaving the world all together and creating a new time. You see, you see what I'm yeah. getting at. And so, how silly we think we can do it on our own to get that done. And um, it takes, I think God, because it takes men. God calls men together. Um, and so, I'm looking forward. I'm signing up for these groups. So November.
0: Yeah. Well, sign ups yeah. going to go up this week. Okay. Let's and do eventually it. Eventually, I'm going to do a million of them. Just joking. <laughs> but anyway, I just you know. Uh, yeah, so go to paulgeorge.la, click on Holy Grit. The book's coming out soon, but the grit groups are going to start uh this fall. Imagine if this time next year
1: we could have much more gritty men in the church.
0: That's what we want. I mean, I want to be gritty. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 that's sort of subjective. I'm not saying that like you need to go climb Mount Everest or go chainsaw down some trees, but What are you saying? What does grit mean? If if what that, does that is mean? If that is the adventure God's calling you to, like do it, you know, mm. but the you know grit means to like have moxie mm. you know uh to to be you know tough mentally spiritually physically, mm. you know like grit is is to is to grind it out like to to um yeah, like to have spiritual battle wounds and like move forward, you know, all the saints were we're not just spiritually gritty. They were like emotionally and physically gritty. Like we talk, I talk about in the book like these masculine manly saints who were fought wars and Mm -hmm. you know, like did hard things. Like honestly, like we're really at our best as men when we do hard things. Mm -hmm. When we do tough things. I mean, think about ever like working hard at the end of the day and you're like, man, I feel like you know, I feel amazing. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know for me, um, I just have a natural inclination toward, uh, let's say direct communication. I wouldn't say confrontation, but because I don't like arguing with people so much. I like resolving arguments. I like resolving situations. And a lot of people don't like that. And I get that. And a lot of people find that um, terrifying. And I get that too. And uh, there is something about Bringing peace where there was no peace in a in kind of a tough way mm-hmm. that is very manly. And I think uh, this was St. Francis's prayer, right? Um, "Make me a channel of your peace." You know St. Francis, he's such a good icon for, for today for this group, for this conversation, because he's, he's from Assisi, Assisi, but he's not a Sissy. and a lot of times, a, a lot of times he's portrayed as a complete Sissy. There was a movie about him in the '70s. I don't know if you ever saw this. Not horrible. But he seemed more like a hippie than like a gritty man like you're describing, right? He right. seemed more like a, um, I don't know, nature-loving, not that men don't love nature, but you know what I'm getting at, right? Didn't Gritty wouldn't be the word to describe him. Maybe free-spirited, maybe whatever, flighty even. Mm-hmm. But that's not who he was. I mean, the dude had a stigmata, for goodness sake. It's crazy. The dude had the wounds of Christ. He suffered. He was in pain. He was very gritty. Very gritty. He sold everything and um and he can make it out in the in the elements for m- weeks before they rebuilt that church he lived just outside in a tent point being saint francis is a manly man and um this idea of recovering that gritty masculinity i think is what you're getting at i think the lord wants it and we need it um cuz a lot of times you know our our male christianity becomes more like um the portrayal of St. Francis in the movies, right? Right. Anyway.
0: Yeah, no, yeah, that's, that's kind of the, the thing. And look, we're not all in a sense. There's some characteristics about St. Francis that we can all learn from, from his men, Mm -hmm. but he had a unique and specific charism and calling that we're not all called to, but there are some things that we're all called to that he did, you know, which is like surround himself with other men. Like, do tough things, uh, seek God with everything he had, uh, you know, like be attached from the world, detached from the world, you know, mm-hmm. and like leave a legacy. And I think every man like looks in the mirror is like, I want to leave some impact and legacy, you know, but I got to tell you, like that doesn't happen without your intentions, come into fruition, like doing something about
1: that. And doing something difficult. I mean, just look at his prayer. You can look at that prayer and put some soft music to it and make it really fluffy, right? But make me a channel of your peace where there is hatred. Let me bring your love. That means you got to go into the hatred to bring God's love, right? Where there is injury, your pardon. That means you have to go into the tension of injury and betrayal and everything else and bring forgiveness, right? Right. Where there is darkness, only light. So you're going into the darkness. This is like the beer run into Vietnam. Like you're going in it to bring the light, I guess, of the beer. But point being, this is a very manly prayer. And again, you put some soft music to it and everything else, and it loses it. It loses
0: the grit. That's true. Yeah. Hmm.
1: O master, let me not so seek so much to be loved as to love. Mm. That's gritty, right? That's yeah. <clears throat> that's manly. Yeah. To be understood as to understand. Mm. You know, this is a very manly prayer.
0: Yeah. I mean, in Proverbs twenty-seven it says, "Iron sharpens iron, so man sharpens his fellow man." Mm-hmm. That's pretty manly. It's pretty masculine. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's that's what we want. You were asking about grit. I'm. I pulled up a <clears throat> a little thing from the book but grit is defined as firmness of character mm. uh, indomitable spirit
1: indomitable
0: uses the word pluck it's like toughness a backbone daring fortitude guts boldness courageous intestinal fortitude like wow. who, metal moxie Nerve, perseverance, resolution, to have a spine, a spirit, and spunk. Like what? Me- what man doesn't read that and be like, "Yes, that's that's what I want to be defined by." Mm-hmm. You know, like like every one of us want to have moxie, a spine, a spunk, attack mm-hmm. attack life and be on the offensive and do hard things.
1: Or we have excuses why we don't want that.
0: Or well, we have excuses, which <laughs> I mean
1: our heart wants it right yeah, but some of us you know I don't know if you've encountered this, Paul, this idea of like this toxic quote unquote masculinity, but this this mm-hmm. theory that like that man, the wood chopping man, the the scotch drinking man, is toxic, and uh, we need to become more you know less toxic masculine right like
0: more inclusive whatever mm-hmm.
1: but that's baloney I mean that's just an excuse to not do hard things it's just an excuse to not. Be the gritty man we're called to be.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and look, you know, not every man's gonna love the outdoors, but like he he might do other things to like awaken his masculine soul. Not every guy plays sports, like and I you know, like you and I are completely different, you know, but like we mm. desire the same thing as as a man, you know, like I might mm. have different hobbies or a way I do things or than you, but like th- there is a sense of like this masculinity that like we both, you know, desire to like light a flame within and, and we need to be intentional about doing that with, with other men. And, and at the same time, like pursue hard things and, and things that allows God to breathe life into our soul again, you know, mm. but we can't do that alone. You know, we can't, no, nope. we can't do it. We you can't we, get
1: we, gritty with it by yourself.
0: Oh, well that, and, and that's a true statement. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Paying too much for healthcare and supporting services you don't believe in? Our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare, has prices that are 60% less than the nation's average cost of healthcare. Join the nation's leading healthcare-sharing ministry built by people of faith for people of faith, saving money through ethical and affordable healthcare. Call now to see how much you can save at 844 387 eight five three three. That's Solidarity Health Share, eight four four three eight seven eight five three three. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you, Paul George, Deacon Adam Conk in studio Back at it, the podcast this week, so you can get that on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, the whole thing everywhere all the time. It's episode
1: Uh, 215, Paul.
0: 215, please uh, like it, share it, you know, get everyone behind it, and uh, yeah, I got some some fun news with the book coming out early spring, January, and then these grit groups uh, showing up, so, you know, coming out, uh, you can get information, paulgeorge.la, click on Holy Grit, Information is there, um, so those will probably fill up pretty soon. But we'll we'll do more, and then uh, how many spots are available this first go round? <clears throat> yeah, uh, do we know? Yeah, I don't want to say.
1: Okay, all right.
0: Let's see. Well,
1: I gotta I gotta register like now. Right, right after the show.
0: You're gonna do it? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yes. I want to get gritty with it. Yes. I have so many excuses, Paul George. Spine, Moxie. Yeah. Intestinal fortitude. Imagine like if we were gritty in all areas of our life, including our spiritual life, like, mm. like just how much we would win, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, like just,
1: well, like the Lord said in this past Sunday's gospel, if you have faith, the size of a mustard seed, you can move plants, you know, they just listen to you. And I think, um, the faith we have, we've all been given, um, actually preached this weekend. This is what I talked about, I was like, The apostles asked Jesus for greater faith, and he was telling them it wasn't the size of faith, because faith is something God gives us, right? Mm -hmm. He was like, look, it could be a really small bit of faith that God's given you, and that's plenty to do what you need to do. Then he redirects their attention and says, it's really your pride, right? All these times you're talking about who's the greatest, you're talking about who's going to be sitting next to me when we come into our kingdom, all those things. That's what's getting in the way of your faith. And so if you become unprofitable servants who just do what you're obliged to do, So the issue wasn't so much the size of their faith, it was their lack of faithfulness to him. Hmm. And man, my masculine heart, talking about these gritty things, my faithfulness to Jesus as a man, because he is a man, right? We're talking about St. Francis of Assisi, they make him out to be the 70s hippie guy. Jesus is a man, and he's a manly man. Gotcha. He's not a hippie, (laughs) okay? No. He's a man. And for me to connect with him in a masculine way, I need to be gritty because he's gritty. Right. And, um, but it's my lack of faithfulness to him. So it's not so much that he hasn't given me enough faith. It's not so much. He's given, I haven't given me enough grace. I need to stop making excuses and I'd be more faithful to him in a manly way.
0: Hmm. So true. I mean, one of the most hard things that we can do is like, give our life to God. It's the hardest. You're right. Mm-hmm. And that, but the grace that God gives us to do the hard things, to be the, like, we don't give our life to Jesus and become soft. Mm-hmm. That's sort of been this myth. It really ticks me off.
1: Well, here's how you do it. Here's how you do it. You give your life to Jesus and then use your faith as a reason to make excuses to not ho- do hard things the rest of your life. That's how you do it. I've been there. We've all been there. <laughs> That's how you do it.
0: But uh, there, there's just like, you know we become the fullness of who we are when we we become the gritty man god created us to be
1: mm.
0: and mesh that with the godly man god made us to be like those two aren't separate it's the same man yeah. it's the same man and that's that's what's happened in our world is like oh you can be this tough gritty man without without god or you got to be this godly man with no grit and like what are you even talking about like no Like I'm, I'm the best of myself when, when those two things come together and, and collide. And, you know, like we, we can't be these non-masculine men in the world who are godly. Like we can't let the world solve it. Like, you know, our, our daughters and wives and sons, you know, want men to lead and to be bold. And that's where we're at our best to, to be gritty and godly together mm-hmm. like that's what the world needs more than anything you know is is that and you know why are we talking about saint francis why why did in in my book like are these crazy masculine gritty manly saints like highlighted? because like we're still talking about them today because their legacy is like way beyond just you know being like mediocre
1: right
0: at anything that you know like they just made a decision through God's grace to to do great things
1: yeah whatever the cost whatever the cost and um yeah so i'm i'm ready man let's do it let's charge this hill and uh i think one of the the challenges to doing that is is speaking the truth we've just been so afraid to say what's true to each other um to be nice all the time, right? Like that's somehow a masculine goal, to be nice, to be a really nice guy mm. all the time. Um, but there's an art, and I've I've been loved this way by holy men before, and I think all the saints in your book and all the saints we could talk about do this, but there's an art to telling the truth that hurts, but with, a, with the gaze of love in your eyes. Like, I'm telling you the truth, I know it's yeah. gonna hurt you,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but you know I'm doing it because it's good for you. Mm. And this is something we should learn from our dads, you know, I had, very, I had that look a few times from my dad, a few times.
0: Hmm.
1: Thank God for those few times, right? Um, but this is where we learn the art as men. To, to hear a truth that's very difficult from eyes that love us, if we haven't learned how to do that because we haven't been done to us, hmm. our world needs that kind of gaze. Our children, you mentioned our wives, our kids, the church in we live, we, ne- we need the gaze of men willing to speak the truth with love. Um, but we, we just have a desert of it. It's a desert. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, part of the, you know, honestly, like, part of the gritty, being gritty is, like, allowing God to heal us. That's yep. very hard. Yep. Part of being gritty is being vulnerable Yeah. as a man. Like, admitting to our faults and failures and letting letting God heal, heal the broken areas in our lives, whether they're areas that we've done to ourselves or others have done to us. It, part of being gritty is no longer being the victim, but, but allowing God to claim victory in our life and move forward. You know, like there's a lot of tough things that we avoid as men. Not just mm-hmm. like, hey, oh, I started going to mass. That's good. But like, what about like the tough, like just the internal tough things that we have to, you know, begin to look at and change?
1: Yeah. Man, as you say that, reminded of one man, a priest when I was 19 who looked at me like that. Like I was being irresponsible about something and he saw it, you know, and he could see me you know, floundering like that, mm-hmm. and uh, he could let me have it in the moment. He could just call me out on all my, you know, nonsense. But he looked at me and he saw my need for healing, like you were just talking about. And so he led with that. And mm. He said, "Adam, have you thought about this?" Mm. And I hadn't. I hadn't realized that what I was doing was shaped around this this wound that was in me. That he saw. He was able to see, mm. and he was willing. He was willing to be kind enough to tell me that in a truthful way but in a way that was coming to heal, not to hurt, right? And um, that really changed my life. And he doesn't even know that probably because it was just one day conversation for him. But those moments can be so impactful where our need for healing our wounds, when spoken honestly, then we could deal with them. Yeah. If you're willing to, to do the hard work of dealing with it.
0: No, absolutely, you know, yeah that's part of having moxie is, Mm -hmm. is dealing with the hard things, you know, having hard conversations and about ourselves or with others. Like, I don't know, like it's all, there's no separation, you know? Mm. So it's good. I mean, I'm encouraged by the culture of, of men who are just desiring to like, you know, pursue God and grit and you know, whatever. So if you want to be a part of the, You know, the groups sign up, you know, if not, there'll be more, but, uh, you know, you can get the book when it comes out and share it. Like, just, just be a part of like moving things forward. And and, like the little things that I can do is just what I'm doing. Like I'm not, I'm not, you know, what you're doing by farming men at the school and, you know, dads and kids, like, you're just like, we can all do our thing, you know, but at the same time, like I need to be part of, you know, taking care of myself yep in all areas of my life so yeah, yeah gotta do the grit movement the <laughs> get on the grit movement You're getting gritty
1: getting gritty with it
0: um so anyway yeah uh feel free to share the show everyone on the podcast and you know um thanks to being a part of the community here in acadian it's amazing uh go to paulgeorge.la holy grit and uh yeah like lots, lots of cool stuff going on dude have a great trip to new york with your with your son Thanks. And um, hopefully we'll reconnect next week. We'll talk about it. Yeah. Lots of cool things happening. And yeah, y'all have a great week. God bless.